Welcome back to another episode of Important Miscellaneous Talks. I am your host, Glassford Crossfield, and we are changing the world one podcast at a time. Our wonderful guest, please introduce yourself. What's going on, people? This is your boy, Mati Johnson, live and direct from El Paso, Texas, joining the podcast, you know? So where does your love of music stem from? Man, I grew up in New York City, man, originally, and I was just around all those concerts, going to the different reggae concerts, R&B concerts back in the day, you know, Black Uru, Steel Pulse, uh, Force MDs, you know, and I started professionally at 13. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where my love for music, because New York is a melting pot. It has all these different, you guys know what it is, right? So that's well, where, where my love Where New York you from? I'm from Staten Island, New York. <laughs> interesting, interesting. We're from Queens. <laughs> I know, bro. I seen. I seen. I was watching the the grandma episodes, man. It reminded me of my grandmother, man, when she was alive. You know what I'm saying? Because my grandmother came here when she was older, you know, in her 60s. But uh, I used to spend time with her in Stuyvesant Town in uh, Peter Cooper's Village right there in Manhattan. Mm. <laughs> and she used to do the same things, you know? What, what kind of message would you like to convey to your audience through your music? Well, I mean, when I first started, I just wanted to sing, man, and perform, to be honest. But as I got older and mature, I just really wanted to spread motivation and inspiration through what I'm doing, my works. Mm -hmm. Not only just the music and just having fun and making girls dance and all of that. I just wanted to inspire people to do great things and <coughs> motivate the masses to say, like, you can do anything you put your mind to. Got you. How did you hone in your craft, uh, wh wh whether in regards to songwriting, composing? Like, how did you, did you were you self-taught? Did you get lessons? I was self-taught with the singing at first. And then at the age of like 13, 14, I started going to vocal lessons at Dr. Trogan's in Staten Island. And then I got a music manager, B. Montgomery, in Manhattan, in downtown Manhattan. And um, I forgot that in the Chelsea area, and she managed Bone Thugs and Harmony member, uh, Busy Bone and Soul For Real from back in the day. And she gave me the opportunities to open up for these acts and all my craft and my skills in these nightclubs down there in Manhattan back in the early 2000s. Mm. How, how old are you? Guess, brother. <laughs> uh, 27? I'm a little bit older than that. 29? Right? Yeah, I'm just about 29, bro. I'll be 29 this year. Got you, got you. What what song have you made that you that you think is the most meaningful to you and why? Well, man, like um I made a lot of songs. Some songs I've, you know, put out, taken down over the years cuz I've been doing this for like over 15 years now, but I had a song called My Life that I recorded with uh, Steel Pulse's producer back in California. And now he's actually touring with them and like all their shows all around the world. Um, that was one of the most meaningful songs to me in my career. A lot of people might say otherwise because I just released a song with Snoop Dogg and Carl Wolf. He's like a Canadian like pop sensation. And people might say that's my biggest song, but I believe that my life song showed my true message of like inspiration and just living your dreams. 
what inspired the move to go uh you said you're in El Paso, right? I'm in El Paso. I live in El Paso now, yeah. What what made you migrate there? Especially I know with musicians, you know, are usually in LA or New York or sometimes Atlanta, like the big city. Well, to be honest, I came here like I'm the youngest of my uh siblings. I come from three siblings. So I moved here with my parents. And then after that, like I evolved into different places, but I wasn't always in El Paso. This is just like home base. So I moved to LA once I got here, once I spent like a year here and I got my feet wet here and they started giving me the uh, opportunities to open up for the bigger acts here at Don Haskins Center in UTEP. I went to LA bro and I started living in North Hollywood, but I migrated here because my dad did residencies as a doctor or physician here in El Paso in the early nineties. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of the Caribbean Caribbean music in general is known for its explicit lyrics. Why do you Facts. think that is? I mean, uh, why, why 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 is why is the why is the Caribbean more geared towards that sort of a uh, lane? Provocative. I mean, not all Caribbean music because you got roots reggae, you got dance hall, you got ska, you have different forms of reggae music. I think the dance hall. And the heavy car like raga dance song music, vibes cartel, popcorn, and them things that those are the ones, you know what I'm saying? That have the like the heavy, explicit sexual stuff, you know what I mean? I don't really think all Caribbean music is like that. That's I think I think Caribbean music get a bad rep mm. for that. It's it's I mean, if you go anywhere in the world, you can go to Canada, England, Europe, Asia. Caribbean music is loved. They, it sells big time over there. Caribbean is a world music, and it, ha, and it comes from all fashions of music because dance hall and ska music and roots reggae, it draws from jazz music, R&B music from back in the days, like, you know, the Wailers, Bob Marley, you know. I don't think it's all, I don't think it's all like hardcore sexual cussing, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's all about that, man. It's just, that's just one part of it. Did, did you ever feel pressured to make that kind of music knowing that it's the most popular? Yeah, man. Yo, but if you look at my music, yeah, I talk about like girls in the club and stuff like that, but I don't really use too much explicitness. You know what I mean? I talk about girls winding up and all that, but I don't really cuss in my in my records and all of that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm Will Smith and say I don't have <laughs> records, you know what I'm saying? But like, nah, I'm just saying like, um, yeah, bro. I, I, bro, I just think it's it's a vibe in our culture. You know, clubbing, especially the dance hall culture. I think it's just a vibe that people love to go party and have fun. But like, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that we need to have more like conscious music also mixed up in that. And that's where mm -hmm. I'm gonna evolve too. You know. So, who are your favorite artists? Uh, who who are artists that you listen to that inspire you? Inspire. Uh, your music as far as the dance hall go the pop dance hall sound yeah it could be dance hall or just overall either or in like when i was growing up man i i love buju bantan i got to open it up for buju in staten island nice. i love the uh, fit man sean paul shaggy sting seal uh and the r&b side i like ken Lattimore, um music soul child um 
and the list goes on you know what i mean like so much so much because i traveled all around the world too man as a friend world college student you know in europe so i got an eclectic vibe of music even in rock music i like lincoln park creed uh incubus you know what i'm saying i'm just an eclectic mind you know mm. wavy yes i'm very versatile too do do you feel obligated to to deliver a positive message to the children? I mean, yeah. Now now that I'm older, man, like when when I was like in my teens and my early twenties, I I just wanted to do music for putting music out and and do feel good music that makes people move and and to to an extent I still do that today. But now, my motivation as an influencer, as an actor, and all of that stuff, like my mindset is changing. It's going in a different direction to, to benefit and inspire the children. You, you mentioned how like, like you, you like to do more so positive music that may not be as much mainstream. Does that, does that ever bother you to, to know mm -hmm. that the, the more positive messages aren't being pushed as much? I mean, like, I like, I like positive music. I, I, my music is mainstream, bro. Like, it's, 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 it's in the marketable top 40 genre, but everybody know in the music industry, if you don't have radio play, you know, circulating like 24, like down here in El Paso, we got one huge, huge artist that comes out of here, Khalid. And he's on the radio almost every day because he has what? Yeah, RCA Records, like, pushing his music on have you like throughout the whole diaspora. But if you're independent like me and not on mm. a major label, you're not going to get that radio play. So I feel my music is mainstream, but I'm not getting mm. the radio mm. play like a person would be on a, a major labels getting, you know? Are you not looking to sign to a label? That's the thing. I don't want to sign 360 deals. I want a, a good label deal. I don't want to just, I'm, I'd rather be an independent artist and own my masters and just be doing acting gigs, getting endorsements from brands and, and so forth, rather than like having the label get a piece of the pie. And I, unless it's a good deal and they're giving you a good deal, why not? Mm. Mm. So how can someone become the next Matthew Johnson? Man, I think... All you have to do is just believe in yourself and never give up because mm. that's what I did. I just never gave up and I always reinvented myself and I always made mm. more and more moves regardless if it's my my stuff is dying now. I always find another way to kind of stay afloat with the marketing, using social media and just staying diverse and not staying in the same places because I made it a, a point that I wanted to get out of New York City and travel and do media stuff all around the world. Because if you Google me, you see stuff from Canada, you see stuff from England, you see stuff from Dubai. You, see, you just got to keep yourself motivated, diversified, consistent, and keep yourself in the public eye in the media. Even if you're not in on like ABC News, you just got to keep yourself in the media so people see you. Because once people stop seeing you, then you, you, you become irrelevant. Absolutely. Who's, who, who would you say is the biggest artist you've worked with? And have you ever been starstruck that you met somebody or that you worked with somebody that you never thought you would? I mean, Snoop Dogg is uh, definitely... 
when I got that feature, that was that's that was the biggest step of my career. And another one was uh Carl Wolf. You know what I mean? He's a Juno nominee this year again. And he made the remix of Totals Africa. He went triple platinum for that. And I got the chances to work with him through my like exploits throughout Canada and working with people like Chuck Claire, who's like a Canadian hip hop icon out there. And you know what I mean? Like those people were a blessing to work with because they helped my career and they helped me they even on the independent level to get independent hits and, you know, just uh, build up my brand that way because collaborations is key. You know what I mean? Because it opens you up to new audiences and their audiences. So <clears throat> I'm 6'6 and I'm Jamaican yeah. and I have no waistline. So how does one obtain a waistline and maintain a waistline? Bro, you got to stay in the gym, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. My hips literally just can't move like that, man. Nah, bro, you got to stay in the gym and you got to stay like, you know, aesthetic, man. You got to stay with with the females, man, you gotta be like building and like staying social and whatever. Even if you can't dance, if you Jamaican, bro, like anything Caribbean, whatever. Caribbean people know how to dance, bro. So I, mean, <laughs> I, I know that's I got a, rhythm, I but just the waistlining is sturdy. That's all. <laughs> well, what happened? What happened? I, I said I got rhythm, just the waistlining is sturdy. You feel me? Ah, nah, <laughs> yo, you already know. I mean. For a dude, bro, in New York, unless you like one of them dance hall, like, uh, what do they call it? Them pasta pasta dancers, whatever. Like, the dudes in New York, they, they, they be leaning back like Fat Joe, bro. Like, they don't really, <laughs> they don't really point. dance unless you're a dancer, bro. That's a good point. If, if you weren't doing music, what would you be doing for a living? Man, well, I went to, remember, I went to university. I, the first university I went to was LIU, straight out of Peter's Boys High School, man. And I was doing psychology. LIU and Brooklyn? I was doing physical therapy. Say that again? LIU Brooklyn? Yeah, bro. I was right across the street from Juniors. I was a um, a music major and psychology minor, bro. <laughs> I, I went there. Well, what year did you go? A long time ago, bro. I spent, like I spent one year there. In like 2010. Oh nah, in high school. Yeah, that was my freshman year in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. I said, know what I mean? Yeah, man. Old, so, so you, would, what would you be doing? I would be doing psychology or physical therapy, bro, because like I'm into fitness. I like fitness and I like being like doing things with the mind and, and, and you know, have a mind power. So that's why I took those things as a minor. And I was actually working side jobs in the PT areas, you know. Mm. So <clears throat> during that time, you were still doing music on the side. Yeah, bro, I was doing music since I was 13 years old professionally because i was doing my development at that time like i was i mentioned before i was uh i got my first manager b montgomery who's a staple in like the funk and the r&b and like the the showcasing in manhattan in those times right and those was in the early 2000s like around the time uh 
Alicia Keys had just first came out. Like she was doing big things and probably before that, but during my time, like that's what she was giving me a platform to actually build my, my craft and own my stage skills. So you, you end up getting your degree, you end up finishing? Yeah, bro. Wow. I just, okay, but you, you always knew that you wanted to be an artist. The degree was just kind of just, just... Yeah, bro. Bro, I used to I used to cut school, bro, like in St. Peter's Boys High School. My parents had to pay for that, you know what I mean? I used to cut school and go to TRL and shit. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I used to go there. Yeah, bro, I used to go there and go to the beach houses. You know, I always wanted to get exposure, and I always wanted to be around, like, entertainment. I even started acting. Um, when did I start acting? I started acting professionally at 18 or 19 years old. And that's when I got my waivers and stuff like that, and to be able to join the union, SAG after, you know. Mm. What would you say is your dream collaboration? My dream, like one of them came true, man. Last year, man, when I got that feature from Snoop, and when I got that billboard up in Times Square, man, that's that's, that's that dope. was a dream collab because I met Snoop back in 2013, bro, and um. The Hollywood Hills, man, at his 420 party. Oh, wow. And back then, I was like, yeah, bro, I was just a fan, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me to have that feature, that helped me. That boosts that boost my, my brand. You you have any more that you would like to really collaborate? I want to, bro. Sean Paul was supposed to be on that record, Palm Fire, bro, but we got Carl Wolf instead. I wanted to collaborate with him, but he, he you know, it didn't work out with his management. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he didn't end up being on, but I have a version with Sean Paul on there too. Wow. Uh, collaboration, yeah, bro. Yo, can we, can we, can we get the unreleased? Nah, I can't put it out there because they didn't want me to put it out there. But I, I, you know, if we ever meet, you can hear it, bro. Because if I put it out there, you know, I'm going to have problems. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, that I mean? That's why we had to put Carl Wolf on there. But Carl Wolf is still. It's still big, you know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. he's a big Canadian artist. Did you get um support from family and friends like making this career decision? Because you know, coming from an ethnic background like Jamaican or African or just you know, it's big on school and education and being a doctor or a lawyer, engineer. So it's like they wouldn't consider something like this a real career. I mean, yeah, man, like, I mean, my parents always supported me. That's the difference between, like, me and some other folks, but they always supported my my, my goals and my gift because I, I started singing, like, even in drama, bro, when I was in, like, 12th grade, I was the first Black Ice, man, uh, for West Side Story in St. Peter's Boys. Because, you know, Staten Island is mostly, like, Italian, Albanian, unless you're on the North Shore of the island, right? So they supported it since then, even before. They always knew I could sing, and, and I had a, a passion for it. And they supported it until this day, man. A lot of the things, mm. you know, they helped invest in my career. They they put a lot of funding in my, in my, my music and what have you, my travels, because that's the burden of being an independent artist. You have to invest in yourself for yourself to go somewhere. And to the investors or until you start making monies from the streams, 
placements and what have you. Yeah, that's definitely that's wonderful to hear because you know, there a lot of Jamaican families do not support the creative space. So that's very nice to hear that still to this day they supported you from the start. So, well, my my dad's my dad's American. My dad's American. He's originally from the Lower East Side, and then he um, met my mom in Jamaica when he was doing his residencies and and college in the Caribbean. So my mom is Jamaican. So I'm got I'm really Jamaican, bro. I'm really mixed up, bro. Like that, yeah. I mean, I'm the best of both worlds. Got you. How can you do the accent like that, then, though? Because um, I was raised mostly by my my Jamaican side. Got you, got you. Because I yeah, I still. I was raised mostly. You can say that again, bro. I still, I, I still can't do the accent. No, nah, bro. I I was listening to you to the miscellaneous granny man, and he was like, um, say the Jamaican way with the orange, right? He was like, say orange. <laughs> that was funny, bro. <laughs> yeah, she can be a hard time sometimes. I caught that, bro. I appreciate you coming on, man. That's all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Nah, appreciate. You have me, brother.